Hornet Heaven. Series 12, Episode 2. Four Seasons. Written by Ollie Wickham. Read by Colin Mace. Earth Season, 2019-2020. Oh dear, Henry. I'm not sure I'm ready for this. Don't be such a silly sausage, Bill. Everything's set up perfectly. We've got two yellow sofas on the stage, we've got Jack Gran and his band about to play the music, and we've got a full house of Watford fans in the audience. They're going to love you, Bill Mainwood. This is your show. I'll be here in the wings if you need me. Now get out on stage. But, but, I, 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 Henry, five seconds. Three. Thank you, uh, thank you. Eternal greetings, everyone. E- eternal greetings, and and welcome to uh, Four Seasons, uh, a new chat show. I'm hoping will keep you entertained while we wait for the football to start again down on Earth. The idea of the show is that I ask guests to tell me which four Watford seasons have been the most significant in their lives and uh, afterlives. It's as simple as that, really. The four seasons that have meant the most to them. Now, on future shows, I plan to invite former players and managers to come and chat to me. But for this first show, I want to start with a fan's point of view. So my guest tonight is a man called Fred Fryer, who's been a Watford supporter ever since the 19th century, which means he's nearly as ancient as Henry Grover. I say, steady on, old thing. So without further ado, let's welcome Fred Fryer onto the stage and give him a warm Hornet Heaven welcome. Thanks, Bill. I hope I'm not here under false pretenses. I'm just an ordinary Watford fan. I haven't got anything special or clever to say. Ah, but that's going to be the beauty of this chat show. It'll get people sharing Watford memories that everyone can relate to. So let's get started, Fred. What's the first of your four significant seasons? The first of my four seasons is 1914-15. The year Watford won an entire league. We were champions of the Southern League. Golly, 
We've got a lively lot in here tonight. Uh, so, uh, Fred, give us a bit of background on yourself to start us off. Well, I was born on Boxing Day, 1887. Watford Rovers won 10-0 that day against Champion Hill, whoever they were. I've been back to watch the game. Henry Grover was playing and Freddie Sargent scored six. Freddie, Freddie Sargent, Freddie, Freddie Sargent. Oh, dear. We can't have chanting like that from the audience. You know what Freddie's like. He'll complain only one of you was singing his name. Actually, um... Are you here tonight, Freddy? Hornet Heaven's favourite misery guts? Leave me out of it, Mainwood. Get on with the show. Golly, that was so grumpy. I can't tell if it was Freddy or Jose Holobas. <laughs> right, back to you, Fred. Carry on telling us your background as a fan. Well, my first season was the club's first ever league season, 1896-97. We were called West Arts at that point. Soon, we became known as Watford Football Club and Johnny Allgood arrived as player-manager. He led us to the Southern League Second Division title unbeaten. Johnny Allgood was a total legend. Oh, still is, of course. Ah, no, 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 please, everyone, please. Anyway, a few years later, my daughter Lily was born and in 1914, on her sixth birthday... I took her to the football for the first time. Oh, well, that's a wonderful birthday present to give a young girl. Thank you, Jack in the band. So, clearly, it was a personally significant season for you, Fred. Oh, lovely. Now, tell the younger members of our audience what it was like to take your daughter to watch Watford back in those days, Fred. The club hadn't moved to Vicarage Road yet, of course. We played at Casio Road. Oh, I love that ground. The pavilion, the two small stands and spectators behind ropes around the rest of the pitch. Lily, my daughter, used to stand at the front so she could see, holding onto the rope next to the goal. We were right up close to our heroes. Lily loved Skilly Williams best. Oh, well, that's sweet. Uh, are you in tonight, Skilly? Sounds like you had an admirer. My flat cat was so big it brought all the girls running. <laughs> right. Talk us through the 1914-15 season now, Fred. Most of our audience tonight weren't around then, so tell us what it was like for you. After all, just before the season started, war was declared and a lot of people thought football should be abandoned for the duration of the Great War, just like it's been abandoned now because of this uh, coronavirus. What was the mood at the time? Well, I tried to sign up for the army myself that August, but they wouldn't take me because of my gammy ankle. I was really disappointed because I wanted to fight for my country. In the end, I stayed in the town and I watched Watford carry on playing in the top division of the Southern League. At first, I felt guilty I wasn't serving in France, but when we went and won our first three games, I was glad I wasn't in the trenches after all. So, football became an entertaining distraction for the public. I'll bet that was especially the case when it got near the end of the season. We were top of the league, weren't we? Going into Easter. We are top of the league, so we are top of the league. We are top of the league, so we are top of the league. The record books tell me we were a point ahead of Reading with a far better goal average and two games in hand. Isn't that right, Fred? It was looking good for the Yawns. 
that's right. But over Easter, we had to play four games in five days. Friday and Saturday, then Monday and Tuesday. It was madness. Don't complain too much, Fred. <laughs> They'd have had us playing on the Sunday too, if telly had been invented in 1915. <laughs> anyway, we started Easter badly. We lost 4-2 at home to them from up the road. <laughs> and we ended it by getting thrashed 6-0 at Swindon. It meant we'd lost three of our four Easter games. My little girl Lily was in tears. Anyway, the whole season came to a head the week after that. We had a game at Gillingham, which would clinch us the title if we won. We were ready for a final charge. But we went 2-0 down. I've looked up the match stats, Fred, and the season was on a knife edge. Reading won their final game, which meant that at 2-0 down, we were a point behind them with a worse goal average. That's right, but then we rallied. Albert Green and Eddie Edmonds got us level. Come on, you <laughs> And then, Val Gregory got another. 3-2! Get in! And that's the way it stayed. It put us a point ahead of Reading, who'd used up all their games. We were champions. Southern League champions, Bill. was a very popular choice as the first of your four most significant seasons. To sum up, I think you're saying it was significant because against a backdrop of World War I having broken out, you and your daughter Lily stood together cheering the team as we finished ahead of West Ham, Southampton, Norwich and the dirtbags from up the road to prove we were the best side in the south of the country. Well, yes, all that's true, Bill. But there is another reason too. Oh, really? What was that? It was my last season on earth. The army changed their mind and decided they'd take me, gammy ankle and all. I died at the Battle of the Somme in 1916. Golly, well, on that bombshell. It literally was a bombshell that did for me at the Somme, Bill. Oh, dear. Um, oh, oh dear. Well, let's take a short break, everyone. We'll be back soon with Fred for part two of Four Seasons. stage for part two, Bill, old thing. As they say in show business, break a leg. Break someone's leg? Who do you think I am? Paul Robinson? Badumch! You're getting the hang of this old chap. And we're live. Welcome back to our new Hornet Heaven chat show, Four Seasons, 
with your genial host, Bill Mainwood. Eternal greetings, everyone. Eternal greetings. Welcome back to the second part of Four Seasons with tonight's guest, Watford fan Fred Fryer, who supported the club since 1896. In the first part of the show, Fred told us his memories of the 1914-15 season. And before we move on, I want to ask him if he recognises this music. Take it away, Jack. Yeah, I do recognise it. It's called See the Conquering Hero Comes. The championship winning team of 1914-15 took the field to it in the final game of that season, the last match I ever saw on earth. As music to run on to, it's not as good as Zedcast, but miles better than I'm still standing. <laughs> right then, Fred. Let's get started on the next of your four significant seasons. Tell us what it is, please. The second of my four seasons is 1959-60. The year of Watford's very first Football League promotion. Another popular choice, Fred. Give us a bit of background. Well, at first, after I died in 1916, I watched my daughter Lily carry on going to games without me down there, at Casio Road until 1922 and then at Vicarage Road. In 1930, I noticed she was pregnant and suddenly she wasn't at the matches anymore. I didn't see her again for years. At first, I guess she was busy looking after her new kid who turned out to be Annie, my granddaughter. But I did wonder if she'd completely given up on Watford. Give up on Watford? Oh, dear. Well, you've got to admit not a lot happened in the early 1930s. That was when Neil McBain was manager, before he went and managed them from up the road. Boo! Boo. Traitor! Double crosser! Ah, for God's sake! That was something I did eight years ago. Well, no one let it lie. <laughs> but eventually, many years later, I did see Lily on the Vicarage Road Terrace again at the first game of the 1959-60 season. She was down the front with a little lad. It turned out her daughter, Annie, hadn't been interested in football and this was now her grandson that she brought to watch Watford. My great-grandson, Davy. I'm not going to lie, Bill. I was so proud. Not just because I was a great-granddad, but because my family down there was carrying on the Watford tradition. So, this was another season with personal significance for you, Fred. But put the 1959-60 season in context for us in footballing terms. What had been happening at the club? Well, in the late 50s, Neil McBain had come back as manager again and taken us down into Division 4. Boo! Boo! Ugh, this is just getting cruel, Bill. <laughs> but things changed after we made a huge signing. We signed a first division player who'd won the league and the cup with Arsenal and was still in his prime. 
Cliff Holton. Excellent. Good to see there's so much love and respect for the big fella. Quite right too. He was the greatest ever. Anyway, the start to the season was nothing special. We only won one of our first five games and only scored two goals. The crowds were under 10,000 and I was a bit worried my great-grandson Davy might lose interest because we were only in Division 4. But Lily kept bringing him and suddenly our home form became amazing. From September to January, we won all our home league games apart from one. We were scoring goals for fun and to cap it off, 31,000 fans came to the Vic to watch us beat Birmingham City from the top division in the FA Cup. It was a brilliant time to be a Hornet, Bill. Little Davy was hooked for life. The cup win was especially wonderful, I remember. Cliff Holton and Dennis Uphill scored the goals that day, as they seemed to do in every game that season. They ended up scoring 84 between the two of them. 84. No one will ever better that. They was unbelievable. The thing was, though, our away form was patchy, so we were only fifth in the table going into Easter. We were three points off promotion, and I wasn't sure whether we'd do it or not. I so wanted little Davy not to be disappointed, and Lily too. She'd never seen a Watford season end in success. Not many people had Fred in those days, in the land of the living. See, it wasn't just down to me. <laughs> But Easter, the big fella went into overdrive. He scored hat-tricks two days in a row, on the Friday and Saturday. It was incredible, just incredible. We never looked back. We were promoted with a game to spare. (laughs) And I'll never forget the final home match, under the lights on a Tuesday night. At the end, thousands of people ran onto the pitch to celebrate, including my Lily and Davy. The crowd was chanting, We want Cliff! We want Cliff! He was the biggest and best Watford hero we've ever had, Bill. And of course, he's in the audience tonight. We want Cliff! We want Cliff! We want Cliff! We want Cliff! Come on, big fella, don't be shy. Give us a wave. We want Cliff! Just a nod then. We want Cliff. We want Cliff. Give us something. We want Cliff. We want Cliff. (laughs) There you go. Well, thank you, Fred, for choosing the marvellous 1959-60 as your second significant season. It must have been wonderful for you to see your family again for the first time in so many years on the Vicarage Road terraces. I was very, very happy, Bill. Yep, I was skipping around all at heaven pretty much like that. That's smashing. And just to check, you haven't got a surprise for us at the end of the season this time. Sorry, Bill, not this time. The stories of some seasons are just happy. Oh, Fred, that's nice. Mind you, go on, the season I'm going to tell you about next was a proper thriller, Bill. Proper tense. Well, 
That's the perfect setup for part three of the show. You're doing my job, Fred. Ladies and gentlemen, join us again after the break for more Four Seasons. Don't go away. fellow didn't see you there. On you go, Bill, and we're live. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to our new Hornet Heaven chat show, Four Seasons, with your genial host, Bill Maywood. Eternal greetings, everyone. Eternal greetings. Welcome back to the third part of Four Seasons with tonight's guest, Watford fan Fred Fryer, who supported the club for an amazing 123 years. That's only so far, Bill, and in Hornet Heaven, I can't be stopped. <laughs> so, you've already told us, Fred, about 1914-1915 and 1959-1916. What's the next of your four significant seasons? The third of my four seasons is 1978-79. Graham Taylor's second season at Watford. Well, that's very interesting, Fred. Before now, you've chosen first seasons your daughter Lily's and your great-grandson Davies. But you've chosen the great man's second season. But it was someone else in my family's first season. My great-great-granddaughters. Polly was six. Lily and Davies started bringing her to games in August 1978. It meant three generations of my descendants were regulars on the Vicarage Road Terrace. Thank you, thank you. Uh, to be fair, though, GT's arrival was much more significant for the club than police. And when the great man arrived the previous season, he turned us into a winning machine straight away. He was different class. He was Watford's greatest ever manager, and he'll be that for eternity. <laughs> Lovely. Now, Fred, earlier you described 1978-79 as a thriller. Tell us the way you remember it. Well, the start of the season was brilliant. We went goal crazy. It was like 1959-60 all over again. Yes, by the end of September, Fred, I remember, there'd been six games where we'd scored four goals or more. Astonishing. That's because Luther Blissett and Ross Jenkins were, well, dynamite, as the song went. It was like they were the new Cliff Holton and Dennis Uphill. In the end, Fred, they got 65 between them that season. Luther, particularly, became a household name. 
It was fantastic, Bill. We were on for promotion for the second season running. We were doing well in the League Cup too. We went to Old Trafford to play Man United and beat them. It was mind-blowing. I was able to watch these incredible times alongside my daughter, great-grandson and great-great-granddaughter. It meant so much to me. And we carried on winning after the United game, didn't we? By the new year... We were in the League Cup quarter-finals and we were clear at the top of the league. We are top of the league, we are top of the league. We are top of the league, we are top of the league. Our rocket men had lifted off. Until we blew a bit of a fuse in January. Isn't that right, Fred? Yeah, something went wrong anyway. Once we got ourselves into the League Cup semi-finals, we stopped winning. In the Cup, we couldn't quite get past Forest, who were league champions, and we just kept drawing all our league games. The goals dried up, and all the other teams started gaining ground on us. It was like we were running through treacle, Bill. <laughs> that was Dennis Booth's permanent running style, to be fair. That whole period of the season was so tense, it felt like I was holding my breath for four months. Me too, Fred. By the time we reached the end of April, we'd won only one away game since Christmas. The players looked dead on their feet, Bill, just when we needed to win our last three games to drag ourselves over the line and win promotion. Well, we won the first at home to Chester, but then we got ourselves 2-1 down at Sheffield Wednesday, and I thought we'd blown it, but we hadn't. Just like at the end of 1914-15, Watford came back and won 3-2 when it mattered. In the final game, we clinched promotion on a perfect sunny evening at home to Hull. 4-0. I was so happy. I couldn't help running onto the pitch. Little Polly, my six-year-old great-great-granddaughter, was on the pitch too. It was way past her bedtime just like it had been for her dad Davy on the pitch in 1959-60. And it was probably terrible parenting, but who cares? It was one of those special nights. And the yawns were up. Well, thank you, Fred for choosing 1978-79 as your third significant season. I enjoyed that. Such wonderful, happy memories. Except that... Well, actually, my memories aren't completely happy. Oh. Oh, dear Fred. Now, what haven't you told us? Davy and Polly were at that final game against Hull, but my daughter Lily missed it. She was in hospital. Oh. Well, that, that's a pity. And she died the next week at the age of 71. Oh, no. Fred, I'm so sorry. Don't apologise. It's all right. I mean, I know this shows four seasons and not this is your afterlife, but she's here tonight. Lily, love, where are you? <laughs> oh, bless. Come on down, Lily. What a lovely way to end part three of four seasons. 
let's take a quick break and we'll be back soon for the final part. Greetings, everyone. Eternal greetings. Welcome back to the fourth and final part of Four Seasons with tonight's guest, Watford fan Fred Fryer and his daughter Lily. Welcome on stage for this final part, Lily. Thank you, Bill, but I'm really no one special. I'm just a Watford fan who goes to games with her dad up here in Ornit Evan. Supporting Watford is all about family. For all of us, I reckon. Isn't that right? So, Fred, we've covered 1914-15, 1959-60 and 1978-79. What's the next of your four significant seasons? It's last season, 2018-19. Well, you've skipped past a few memorable seasons there, Fred. You haven't chosen one from the 1980s in the great man's first era or from his return in the late 1990s. Well, we've been spoiled for significant seasons over the last 40 years, haven't we? Especially when the great man was in charge. Reaching the top division, playing in Europe, getting to the cup final, winning back-to-back promotions again, returning to the top division, Elton John and Graham Taylor made so many significant things happen for Watford fans. But for me, and Lily, last season under Javi Grazia really stood out, didn't it, love? Definitely. We kicked off with four wins on the trot. We played some great football and there was a really great feel between the club and the supporters. But the thing we'll both remember for the rest of time was how the season ended. I appreciate it's hard to forget a record equal in defeat in a cup final, Fred. But this show's meant to be about significantly good things, not significantly bad. All near heaven's a happy place. <laughs> See? The band get it. But you haven't heard what I'm about to say, Bill. You see, in 1978-79, when Lily joined me up here, we had my great-grandson Davy and great-great-granddaughter Polly on the terraces. Then, in 1993, Polly had twin boys and named them Nigel and Gary. After Nigel Gibbs and Gary Porter. (laughs) 
Nigel and Gary became Watford fans. Then, in 2013, Nigel had a daughter he named Taylor. I think you can all work out why. <laughs> and last season, Taylor started coming to games. It meant I had a great-great-great-great-grandchild supporting the club. Lily's daughter Annie still wasn't into football, but there were four generations of my family in the stands down on earth and two up here. Six generations of Hornsbill. And on the 18th of May, we were all at Wembley to watch Watford in the cup final. I see where you're coming from now. Lovely. It was brilliant, Bill. Davy bought all their tickets together and at the West Ham match I heard him tell everyone they were in the lower tier, block 138. So that's where Fred and I went as well. The ancient turnstile got us into the stadium in time for the pre-match build-up. Davy, Polly, Nigel, Gary and Taylor were all there, decked out in yellow, black and red. I'll never forget it, Bill, ever. I was watching Watford in a cup final, singing a bye with me at Wembley, with five generations of my descendants. I don't mind admitting, Bill, I shed a tear. Yeah, that, that, that's enough, Jack. <laughs> You'll have us all in floods. When the teams came out, I was so proud. I didn't know who to watch, the players or my family waving their flags and shouting like mad. It's what I'll remember forever, Bill. It was a day all about what it means to be a Watford family. They brought together everyone who's ever been an Orn, down there and up here. Well, that's wonderful, Fred. I think we can all relate to that. How the day made us feel close to people we love and people we've been separated from. But... Oh, excuse me, Bill, but but then... That's all right, Fred. We don't need to talk about what happened next. It, the football side of things didn't quite... No, 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 no. I want to tell you what happened. And what happened on the pitch is important to that. Oh, um... Oh, OK, Fred. On you go. Everyone knows this. We were 5-0 down. But Watford fans picked up their flags and waved them and sang as madly as when the team came out, in defiance, showing who we are and what matters to us. What a moment that was, Fred. I've never been so proud to support Watford. But just as that was happening, excuse me, sorry, someone new arrived in our group in Block 138. <laughs> I had no idea who she was. She moved along the row, hugging everyone in turn. Davy, Polly, Nigel, Gary and Taylor. It was my daughter Annie. She got hold of a spare ticket in another block, but she wanted to be with the family for that moment. <laughs> God, my missing granddaughter. I'd never set eyes on her before. She'd never been to a game. But she was there for the cup final, Bill. And she came and waved the flags and sang with us. That made seven generations of my family. I couldn't have been prouder and happier.
way of family. I've got all my hornets with me. <laughs> what a way to finish the show. Thank you, Fred, and thank you, Lily. Thank you, Jack Grand and his band. And thank you, Watford Football Club, for filling our lives and afterlives with so many things that matter to us. That's it for four seasons tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Eternal good wishes, everyone. Eternal good wishes. And remember, your own most significant season could always be the next one. Four Seasons was written by Ollie Wicken and read by Colin Mace. It was recorded in front of a dead audience. Bill, that was an absolute triumph. The audience adored you. Thank you, Henry. It was a superb homage to 1970s kitsch. Kitsch, Henry? You mean it was... It was corny, Henry? Yes, but cleverly and ironically corny, Bill. <laughs> ah, oh. It was ironic... Wasn't it, Bill? <laughs> Wasn't it? Well, Henry, after all that effort, I have never been so insulted. Oh, no, Bill! Come back, Bill! Oh, dear. Now he'll probably go and do something all serious and boring to compensate. Like a lecture series or something ghastly like that. <laughs> <laughs>